12 this morning. But I uh, had a message, had all my messages uh, over time anyway, uh, worked out and thought I had the one for this morning. And then I woke up this morning, 6.30 my time, 4.30 your time, and got something different. So we trust that God will give us what we need here this morning. Uh, some of the thoughts in this message are things you've already heard. The theme seems to kind of run along the, that way. But um, we trust it's what God wants us to have. So, Amen. We just want to stay true, don't we, saints? Amen. Want to stay true, want to stay faithful, want to do what God has called us to do. Amen. That's important. You know, we don't know how long we're going to be here. Um, it, we look at things sometimes we think, man, this thing just cannot go on much longer the way it is. But um, thank you, brother. But this whole world has been wretched and wicked before, and uh, it's wretched and wicked today. But thank God we have a God that is greater, and we have a God that desires to help souls. He wants everyone, well, he wants everyone to be saved. I mean, he's clear about that. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But um, he definitely wants everyone that, that is going to, to be in. I'm so glad that he didn't, uh, that Jesus didn't come back on February the 9th, 1980, because I would have missed the boat. So I'm glad he didn't come back then, you know. And I had people tell me when I got saved, they said, you just made it in. Right? You probably heard the same thing, maybe, when you guys, you, you just made it in. This thing's fixing to wrap up. You just made it in. Well, that was 43 years ago, right? But I can read in Thessalonians and other places, and they thought it was fixing to wrap up then. Right? They was expecting Jesus to come back in their lifetime. So the thing to do is, when it happens, it'll happen. And until then, we just plug on and do what we're here to do. Whatever the circumstances, it does not change our mission. Whatever happens, it does not change our mission. We're, we are here to uh, work for the souls of men and to live the life before the world and to seek and to save them that are lost. That's our mission. That's what it's been ever since. Go ye in all the world, right, and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, so our mission never changes. It doesn't matter the circumstances around us. We're still here to do the same thing. All right, we appreciate your prayers this morning. John 12, and we're going to start in verse 23. <clears throat> and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Now, we uh, touched on this the other night, but let's just uh, expound it like we've never heard it before here. He, he, he says, look, the hour is come. You know, the hour comes sometimes, saints. Every hour is not alike. Jesus did a lot of things here, and they were all important, but it came down to a time. He says, the hour is come. Now is the time when something is going to happen. 
And he says, uh, uh, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. And I believe we might have expounded on that. But we know he's talking about a seed. We just say, except a seed fall into the ground and die. We know a seed is not dead when it's, when it's laying out on your, in a package or when it's on your counter. It is not dead. It is dormant. And it has to be put in certain conditions. And when it's put in those conditions, something happens. It's amazing what happens. Uh, but that seed, eventually, as, uh, as, the, um, as it starts to push its way out, as the, root, the roots start to go down and the stalk starts to go up and it consumes the food that is in there to help it do all of that, uh, uh, and it, uh, uh, it, it grows up, uh, everything falls away, the food is, con is consumed, and the, the outer coating of the seed uh, lays aside, uh, and and that which is uh, the embryo uh, is the part that puts down the, the roots and puts up the stalk. And that seed that went in the ground ceases to exist. It, for all effectual purposes, it dies. It ceases to be an entity. It ceases to have a life. Uh, and what comes out of that is the plant, right? All right, well, that's what Jesus did. He went into the ground, uh, amen, and, be, and died, uh, or died and went into the ground, actually, but uh, with the analogy of the seed. And what did he do? He brought forth much fruit, amen. And we're to follow that. That's what he says. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that wants to stay a seed. You can't stay a seed. If you stay a seed, you're just, you're just a little seed there. You don't ever become anything. We got to hate that life. We got to hate the life in this world. Amen. And we got to die uh, so that we can bring forth fruit like Christ did. We die out to self. Uh, amen. We have to be a consecrated people, right? We have to be, we have to have a, a, a level of devotion. Uh, we we got to keep our mind and our heart set on heavenly things because this world wants to close in. Amen. It just wants to, it wants to keep us earthbound. So God help us to, to keep a vision, saints, of what we're here for. Amen. It is so much far greater. I, I'm, I'm whatever age I am, okay? And, uh, and, and, and if I have some more years, that's fine. If I make it to 90 years old or whatever, that's fine. But that is such, that is so minute compared to eternity. Compared to what awaits us, our time here is so minute. It just does not make sense to get caught up in the things of this world and try to build a kingdom while we're here. Let us die. Die out to ourselves. Die as Christ died so that we can be able to bring forth fruit, so that we can be able to bear uh, a fruit for, of souls. He that loves his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. Do we not want to be where Christ is? I know you do. You haven't fought all these battles. You haven't stayed faithful. You haven't been through the things that you've been through because you don't want to see the end of this thing. Amen. We want to see the end of a Christian life, as Sister Granny used to say back home there. I want to see the end of a Christian. I want to see what this thing plays out to be. I know by faith what it's going to be, but I want to see it. Don't you want to see it? Man, I want to see that. I hadn't fought these battles. 
I hadn't deprived myself of various things, and it's not a deprivation, but uh, on the surface it may be. I haven't deprived, I haven't taken the things that I've taken and put up with the things I've put up with uh, for nothing. I want to see the end of this thing. I'm 43 years in. It's not time to quit. It's not time to let up. Amen. Amen. In my mind, I haven't done what I need to do anyway. I should have been doing more. And I believe we can probably all think that perhaps. Lord, help us. Amen. Now is my soul troubled, Jesus says. Now is my soul troubled. There's another place. We won't turn there. It's in Luke. I thought of it this morning. Luke 12 and 50. He says, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And oh, how am I straightened till it be accomplished. Or how, basically, how I am burdened until it be... What was that baptism? That was a baptism of death. Amen. That was a baptism of suffering that he had to go through. Suffering and death. He says, I've got, I've got that appointment. He says, and I am straightened until it be accomplished. It's upon me. It's a burden upon me. I want to see it through. The well, saints of God, I want to see... Uh, I want to see it through until the end as well. I want to see it through to where God can use us to accomplish what he desires to accomplish. So he says here in 27, Now is my soul troubled. And what can I say? Amen. What, what about it when we're troubled, saints? What about it when the world gives us trouble? What about it when we're in a troubled age? Now am I troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Save me from these troubled times. Save me from these perilous times. For this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And he is. And he was. Amen. He's, is he still around? Yeah, he's still around. But he's cast out. Things change. Thank God we've got victory over him now. Amen. Remember over in uh, Revelation where it says uh, uh, the, the serpent and all of his angels, they were cast out unto the earth. What? That old idolatrous system that the world was worshiping, it was cast down. Amen. Why? Because people were fighting. Because people were carrying forth the gospel uh, unto the world and changing hearts and changing souls. Uh, uh, God put judgment on this world and the, and the things of this world and cast down the devil, broke his power. He still has power in the world, but he doesn't have power over us. Amen. We've overcome him. Let us continue to overcome him. And and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he says, signifying what death he should die. If I be lifted up from the earth, talking about his crucifixion, may God help us to lift him up as well each and every day. The title of the message is kind of a, drew from a couple of different places, but I, mainly from... Verse 23, it says, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So my title this morning is, The Hour of Our Calling. The Hour of Our Calling. All throughout history, 
So th th this, is the, this is the mind of a person that's up at 4.30 in the morning, okay? <laughs> you get a little glimpse into this. <laughs> and I woke my wife up. I'm sorry, honey, I apologize. All throughout history, men and women have been called to do a work for God. And success in the work of God depended on them. God can do anything. He could find a way to do it all. But he has chosen to use men and women. By men, I mean mankind. He has chosen to do that. Noah, Abraham, Gideon, Deborah, Ruth, Esther, David, Josiah, Jeremiah, Zerubbabel, Nehemiah, John the Baptist, Paul, John Huss, John Wycliffe, Martin Luther, and on and on, right down to you folks, right down to us. God uses people. He didn't save us just to be here and just, just to go to heaven. Thank God he saved us so we can go to heaven. But he saved us to use us. He saved us to follow the steps of Christ to, and, do, and do the work of Christ. That's what we're all here for, to, to greater and lesser degrees, right? We don't all have the same purpose. We don't all have the same work. We don't all have same, the same talents. Uh, uh, think, of the, think of the parable of the talents. He gave one ten. He gave one, what was it, five or whatever. He gave one one, ever how many it was. Uh, he gave them all different, according to their abilities. We don't all have the same abilities, saints. I'm not the Apostle Paul. All right, I'm not John Wycliffe or somebody. I'm here to do what I can do and what God has enabled me to do and, and, and put the things in, in me to be able to do. And you are the same way. Amen. You may not go off into some strange town and turn the world upside down, right? But we do what God has given for us to do. So I don't want to... I don't want this to be a discouraging. I want it to be an encouraging message. Amen. I'm not trying to put some great burden on you. Boy, I've got a witness to 10 people in a day. I'm not talking about that. You know what we've got to do? What God would have us do. And what God would enable us to do. And the doors that God would open for us to walk through. And walk through those doors when he opens them. And just do the work that God would have us to do. Because the people of God want that. Okay, we, we may have to fight a bunch of things to, to, to do it. And we will, because the devil, he don't, he's, he's not just going to sit by and let us do the work of God, right? He never, he never has done that. He didn't do it in the, in the book of Acts and all these other places. He did not do it. Uh, he's always brought opposition. But we just follow God. Uh, the, appreciate the lesson this morning. I didn't hear all of it because I was looking over my notes, but I appreciate that. Uh, amen. The Holy Spirit enabling us to speak, to loose our tongue. That's an excellent thought so that we can speak. We need the Holy Spirit, obviously. We need to be consecrated. We need to be sanctified. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God so that he can use us to do the work of God. Amen. God has a plan, and we are part of that plan. He's got a plan. He's not when has God ever not had a plan? <laughs> right? When he spoke the worlds into existence, he knew where they were going to end up. He didn't just say something and say, boy, look at that one over there. No, he knew right where everything was going. 
When he created man, he knew what he was going to be, what he was going to look like. He knew the whole thing. God knows all. The great mystery of the gospel was planned out long before it ever came into being, right? It was hidden. Hidden in God, the Bible says. This mystery was hidden in God until what? It was revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Amen. The mystery, be, meaning the gospel. Amen. And, and all the glory and all the wonderful things that goes with it, the, the bringing in of the Gentiles and this great salvation plan. So God has a plan, and we are workers in that plan. Amen. We are living right now in the hour of our calling. We have been called, you were called of the fellowship of his son. We were called unto holiness. The Bible speaks about being called, uh, uh, being worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. All kinds of things said about a calling. But, but we are called uh, to be the people of God in this age. And he will enable us to do what we need to do. First Peter 2. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Amen. We are a people who have been set apart to, uh, for his purpose, right? That's what that peculiar means. A special people that you, all right? So Peter is writing to these people, what, 1,900, 2,000 years ago, whatever it is. Uh, he's writing to them. Is it applicable to us as well? Yes, we are. We are that chosen generation. We are that royal priesthood. The whole church is that in each time, in each age. We are a holy nation. We are that separate people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you should, this, this term show forth means to publish or to celebrate. It also means to tell out and to declare. We are here to declare the praises. Now, now this, this term praises here does not mean uh, praise the Lord praises. What it actually means is, is virtue, meaning moral excellence. The same, same term is used in 2 Peter 1 and 3 where it says we've been called unto glory and virtue, meaning moral excellence. We are to publish the moral excellence of him that has called us which is Jesus Christ. We are to publish his, his righteousness. We are to tell out his righteousness. And what is that? how do we tell it out? We tell it out by living it out, for one thing, but we have to tell it out by telling it out. We're pointing to Christ. To Christ. He, is, he is the righteous one, but thank God because of his righteousness, we have been made partakers of his righteousness. And that's our message to the world. Uh, God wants you to be partakers of Christ's righteousness. And we're the bearers of that message. Amen. We are to show forth. We are to publish. We are to celebrate the moral excellence of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That word marvelous means wondered at. Amen. It means passing human comprehension. It's a marvelous light. Saints of God, you know what? We've been through some things. I'll just be honest with you. We've been through some things as we've uh, 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 
uh, endeavored in the church of God through things over many years. Some of you know that's been saved longer than I have, and I've been saved 43 years. Uh, uh, we've seen some things. We've been through some hard knock knocks, haven't we? Amen. We've been pulled through some knot holes, haven't we? Well, that's nothing new because there's always been knot holes that, uh, that the church has had to go through. All we got to do is read, read the New Testament. And there's all kind of knot holes in there. Just about every time Paul sat down and picked up a, a pen or whatever he wrote with, uh, it was addressing a knot hole somebody had going on. It was addressing a problem. It was, it was trying to educate or it was trying to stop something. We go through that, saints of God, but don't lose, let's, let us not lose our vision. We, are, we have been called out of darkness into a marvelous light. That marvelous light is still here. It still survives. It will survive whatever. It'll survive the knot holes. It'll survive the knot heads. All right? It'll survive whatever is out there. Uh, it's greater than that. So let us keep our eyes on the light and let us be the light. All right? And accept that just like uh, being in, just like accepting uh, that like we're paratroopers in the midst of this thing, uh, we have to accept that some things are just going to be, they're going to happen, but keep your eye on the light. It's, it's real. It's true. This salvation that we came to is a salvation that still exists. Amen. So God help us not to get uh, discouraged or get pulled off by some things that happen. That's just life. You know it? That's just things that happen because, uh, because of humanity and because of people and because people let down sometimes or people lose their vision or people do this or do that. Uh, uh, that that's, uh, that. that's just always been and always will be. But thank God, we, what we have is real. What we have is true. What we have is going to keep going on. Let's just stay with it. Stay with the marvelous light. Be in the marvelous light. All right. Uh, Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and verse 12, here again, one we've read the other night. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, let us be obedient saints of God. What are we being obedient? We're being obedient to Christ. We're being obedient to the Word of God. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Uh, work out or accomplish or finish uh, your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We want to be part of the plan. God wants to work in us to do of his good pleasure. That's why we've got to be sanctified. That's why we have to be consecrated. And the Holy Spirit was necessary. Uh, right? I mean, that, that wasn't a backup plan. That was the plan. We had to get delivered. We had to get forgiven of our sins. We had to get washed of our sins. But we needed more than that to do what needed to be done. Else he wouldn't have told those brains, said, you wait at Jerusalem. Don't go out. You're not ready to go out. You need to tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And we see what that power did. Peter stood up and proclaimed the gospel to all those people. It gave them boldness. It gave them uh, a tongue to speak. And it gave them insight that they did not have before. This is that which Joel was talking about. He saw that. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit to do this. 
It cannot be done without him. He is, he is in us and uh, binding us together so much in the Holy Spirit that we know uh, uh, that, that, that we need uh, certainly to unify our hearts the love of God spread, abo- uh, spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost uh, all of these things uh, to give us the, the, the power to be able to speak uh, and, to, and to live boldly in this world as we need to do all things without murmuring and disputing that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Amen. If we shine as lights, we're going to be seen because the world is dark around us. Amen. You're going to see a light, right? If if it was dark in here and I lit a candle, you would see the candle. Well, you know what we are? We're that candle. We're that candle shining in the darkness. We're supposed to be noticed. Did I just say supposed to? I think I did. I said, supposed to. All right, so you know where I'm from, right? We are supposed. That's, that ain't right either. All right, let's just give up on that. We are destined to be noticed. That's who we are. Lord, help us not to run from that, but to embrace that. Amen. Holding forth the word of life. Amen. Taking heed to the word of life. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ. I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. All right. Our hour is a perilous and uncommon one. Second Timothy. And I say that, and even when I wrote it, I thought Second Timothy 3, verse 1. Even when I wrote that, and every time I consider that thought, that our hour is an uncommon one. Um, everybody thinks the time they live in is this way or that way. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, it's, it's the worst of times. Or I guess Dickens said it was the worst of times, it was the best of times. What was that, a tale of two cities or something? It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Well, it's, it's kind of that way any time, I guess, according to what's going on. But uh, uh, it is an uncommon age. I do believe it's definitely different than what I recall when I was uh, coming up in the 60s and so forth. Uh, Although a lot of the roots of what we're experiencing now uh, were developing during that time. And before that, I'm sure you could find. But it is our time. Amen. Our hour in which we live. It is a perilous time. All right, Um, 2 Timothy 3 and 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And you probably caught on that I like to define words, but perilous here. Perilous means through the idea of reducing strength. Through the idea of reducing strength. And that's... That's what makes it perilous is because if we lose our strength, we will be subjected to these things all the more. The, per- the, dan- the perilous also means dangerous. It means fierce. And what do these times do? It. They're trying to reduce our strength. They're trying to intimidate us. 
They want us to shrink. <laughs> they want us to shrink back. That's, that's, that's why the enemy brings this stuff. He's trying to shrink us down. Just like he did with Timothy where he said, stir up, right? He said, uh, um, I, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Amen. Uh, he had to stir him up because what things were affecting Timothy. See, it's not just us. These, these greater people than us have been affected by these things. But what we need is to stir up our pure minds and stir ourselves up and, and see the battle, see what's going on, and above all, see the great God that we're serving, that he's far greater than anything we're going to face. This know also in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Okay? So I'm, I'm willing to agree that these times didn't just pop out today, that they happened a long time ago as well, that these conditions have existed for quite some time. But I'll ask you, do they not exist now? Are men not lovers of their own selves today? Covetous, boasters, do we see it? Proud, blasphemers, are we in that time? Disobedient to parents, are we in that day? Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. And, and uh, we, could, we could think of that in certain ways, but I really believe the, what that really means is the natural affection such as a mother has to their child or, or, per, or people to their kin or whatever it may be. Uh, the, the natural affection that, that anyone ought to have. Amen. People are without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers. Seen any of that going on lately? Incontinent, meaning lacking self-control. Fierce. Are we in a fierce day? Despisers of those that are good. Seen any of that around? Traitors, heady, heady, reckless people. High-minded, haughty meaning. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Amen. We are in a perilous day. Saints, we may be in perilous times, but we are in our times. God has us here in this time for a reason. And we need to embrace it and make it our time. This is what we have. This is where we're at. Esther was where she was at. What she, she had to embrace that and make it her time. Everyone has to do that. Nehemiah had to do it. Noah had to do it. Well, this is the time that God has given. This is the hour God has given me. So this, he has me here to do what he has me here to do. Amen. We need to make it our time. I think of the people that have been called the greatest generation and could be some of those here even today. The World War II generation. That was my parents' time. And you know what? I do anyway. I believe uh, most people do. See them as a special people. Somehow they were steeled for a time and for a purpose. We often hear it said that those kind of people just don't exist any longer. And, and surely 
Surely they do, but not on that magnitude and not, not at that volume. They bore the hardness of their times. They just got up and did what they had to do. They were perhaps shaped and prepared for that great conflict by the decades prior to the conflict. The uh, prosperity and affluence that our generation and other generations have experienced was unknown to most of them. They generally expected to live life and have a life through hard work. <laughs> whether they were subsistent farmers living in the country or whether they were factory workers in the cities. They just expected that. And I tend to believe that that generation was a more grounded, principled society overall. There's wickedness in every generation. All right, there's jitterbuggers, <laughs> whatever they call them. Uh, and the, and the, just like the folks in my generation that did their things and so forth, they're, they're all out there. But it was a more grounded society overall. When the Great Depression hit, times really did get hard. Now, my, my point in this is that something shaped these people. Something molded them to be what they needed to be so that when this came along, they, they were prepared for it. Even they might not have been expecting World War II, but they were prepared for it in a, in a way that others might not have been. When the Great Depression hit, times really did get hard. It affected them. It molded them. It shaped them even further. My mother, my own mother, her sisters and her brothers really did wear clothes made from flour sacks. They really did go barefoot in the summer and had shoes in the winter. They really did get little more than a peppermint for Christmas. That's a different time. That's a different way. And then, uh, in my mother's case, they, they even had a family of sharecroppers living in an old cabin on their property, and they were really poor. They came up in perilous times. My mother was born in 28. My dad was born in 26. They came up living like that. And then World War II hit. And fortunately for them, my, my grandparents were country people and they were able to raise food. So they, they fared pretty, pretty well in, in those things. So. But when World War II hit, all those men and women that were brought up like that were funneled into this great national and worldwide effort to defeat this tyrannical beast all around the globe and basically preserve freedom for themselves, their children, and the whole world, and they just got up and did it. They just did what they had to do. It was their time. Many, perhaps most of them, did not see their day-to-day -day living of these things in a historical sense. All right? They were just putting one foot in front of the other and doing what they had to do. And perhaps it's that way with us. 
We are just day by day living our lives, but I assure you, we're doing far more than that. There are greater things at stake. There are monumental actions that we may take with each day that have eternal consequences. Amen. Just sharing the word. Brother Scott Romines turning his truck around and coming back and speaking to me for five minutes as I stood gassing the car up. Had eternal consequences, I believe. Sharing a word with someone. Even being kind to someone, right? Showing Christ in whatever way can have eternal consequences. God help us to have a vision of the hour in which we are living. Amen. I appreciate the young people that are faithful. Appreciate you folks that are living, being faithful and living the gospel. I know it's not always easy, but thank God for you. Keep standing. Stay faithful. Get grounded even more, okay? You need to get grounded even more. You need to put down roots even more. De listen, young, young, younger people. Devote yourselves to the cause. Make it your cause. The cause of Christ. The cause of sharing the gospel with souls. Make that your cause and devote yourself to it. We don't know how long God has for this world. But if it stands, if Christ tarries, uh, you are going to need to be prepared to carry this work forward because we're all checking out at some point, right? I'm, I'm closer to the end than I was to the beginning. May have a number of years. My mom lived to be 93. Is that what it was? 94? So who knows? But it's, it's the youth that is going to keep this gospel going. And this gospel is going forward. It is not going to disappear from the face of the earth. It, there will be a church for Christ to come back for. Amen. I don't care how dark or how bad it gets. He's coming back, the Bible says, for a glorious church without spot or blemish or any such thing. Amen. I don't know just what that's going to look like numerically or anything else. I, I can't put a pencil to that. But I know, I believe it, and I know he's coming back for it. Amen. And, and if I'm not here when it comes back, if I've already gone on, and if it's this next the, the generation coming up, uh, stay faithful, stay true, stay and let's do the work that God has for us to do. Amen. If you're here, if you're a young person and you're not saved, I urge you, to consider what's at stake. Amen. What, what is at stake is your soul and the souls of all these people out here who you can influence. And that's important. What, what can we, I mean, put, make it, a, and I hope you make a million dollars. If you do, send me some. <laughs> but what, how can you value making a million dollars upside leading one soul to Christ. There's no comparison. The influence of bringing someone to Christ and just, I mean, don't even think about them going to heaven, okay? The eternal life going to heaven. Part. Just think about the impact on their life. What they're saved from. 
and the impact that that saved life has on others in their life. Whether, whether those people go to heaven or not, you know, a person's, a person's life, we affect other people, right? And a saved person can affect their circle of people for good rather than for evil. It's, it's, it's incalculable what a person getting saved can do and is worth. Even in this world. Amen. We know we need to uphold the word of God. Um, I'm going to cut some of this out here. Let's look at Acts 20. Acts 20 and verse 20. Um, let's get 18. So Paul is meeting these Ephesian elders uh, at um, Miletus, it says. And so he's speaking to them. Verse 18 says, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mine, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing, that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. See, he, he, he knew. He saw what he was faced with. But look what he says. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I know where I'm going, trouble is there for me. But that does not move me. I've got my mindset. I've got my, my, my heart is settled in this. I am consecrated and devoted to this. And whatever my hour holds, I'm, that's, God is there. And he has me here for this reason. And eventually that reason was he got his head chopped off. But he was able to witness to Caesar. And that's what he wanted to do. He says, I don't care what happens, but God has sent me to go witness to Caesar. Did not Jesus tell his disciples they would witness before kings and all of this? He says, none of these things move me. Lord, help us that we won't allow things to move us. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. I mean, Jesus told us the same thing. We, we can't love ourselves more than we love Christ. We'll never be able to finish with joy if we love self more than we love Christ. That I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I love that. None of these things move me. 
And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Lord, help us to do so, to declare all the counsel of God, to let our conversation and our life show the spirit of Christ to the world, whether we're middle-aged, whether we're young, whether we're uh, elderly, whatever stage of life we're in, this is our hour. This is our time. We don't have another one. We're not in Wycliffe's time. We're not in Huss's time. We're not uh, in the third century or whatever. No, we're here now. We're not out in the future somewhere. We are here now to be a light to this world, to show the love and the righteousness and the graciousness of Christ to this world and to stand against some wicked and evil things too. Last scripture, 2 Peter 3. I wish I could express it from my heart and from my mouth as it is in my heart. But I, I really do, uh, especially to, to you young saints and, and to you young people that are not saved. Oh, please, please consider these things. Consider yourself. This is all going to fade away. This is not. The things that you don't see are more real than the things you do see. <laughs> They are. I mean, we could go over there, but we're not going to take time to go over there and look at all of that. Uh, but all of this is going to fade away. And if it doesn't, you will. <laughs> but it will fade away eventually. But it may be here when you're gone, but you're going to fade away. We need to live for something greater than ourselves, something greater than these material things. 2 Peter 3, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, and they are here, and they are growing scoffers walking after their own lust. And uh, there's a huge amount of unbelief and there's a huge amount of really modern idolatry and, and wickedness. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a it's very much akin to the world that Paul lived in, that Peter lived in, especially Paul going out into the Gentile world. That, that's what they had. I mean, it was just total darkness, right? We have, we have something a little different now. We have the total darkness and we have a lot of religion that's masquerading as Christianity and we also have to contend with that and it's sometimes hard to get people to see that right uh, I had made a note here sometime back if I can just remember it but it basically said um, why should why should anyone abandon their belief system whether it's just a worldly belief system or whether it's a Christianity-based belief system. Why should they give up all of that that perhaps they've known and lived their whole life? Why should they abandon that and embrace what we have? What, what's, what's the motivation to do that, to give all that up 
whether it's false or not, and embrace what we have? Well, that's the million-dollar question, right? <laughs> well, one thing we know, God has got to be involved in it. Because unless he deals with the person's heart, they won't be able to see it. So we know, and that's, I guess, really, that's the most important part, is that God deals with their soul. But see, prior to God dealing with their soul, we can speak the words. And we can be a witness, all right? Not necessarily a Bible teacher or a preacher to them, but a witness to them. And that can create a spark, and God will work with that spark and deal with souls, right? It's the, it's the old sowing and reaping law. Sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Sow beside the many waters, right? So we're in this thing together. We can't save people. It takes God to save people. But he can show them. He showed me that my, everything I was putting my life into was not, was not what I needed. But it took God to show me that. And he can show it to others. And he wants to. That's the great thing. God wants to. He wants to save souls. He wants to save those people out there. Amen. Those, the, the most rotten, despicable people in the natural sense that we could think of, right? I mean, just they're against everything you believe. They're just they're, they're, they're spreading horrible, um, uh, hurtful ideologies and stuff. God can save them. We have to stand against it to a degree, right? We have to call it out and call it wrong. But those souls, those souls, there's a soul in there. There's a soul buried in amongst all that ideology and all of that wrong thinking and all of that hatefulness. Did not, uh, was it uh, uh, in Titus where it says that, that we were hateful and hating one another? We were hateful. We were just like that. We were hateful and hating one another. But God, but God, rich in mercy. He had mercy on us, amen, and made us something else. And he can still do that. He wants to do that. But we're a people in this hour that, are, that he is using to accomplish his goal for these people. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is long-suffering. He wants to see souls saved. He could have wound this thing up a long time ago if he had wanted to. 
and, and been uh, justified in doing so. And sometimes we think, Lord, when is this thing going to end? This is, how can you put up with this? Uh, he can put up with it because he loves mankind's souls. That's why he's putting up with it, because he, he sees the value of those souls, and he has people he wants to see saved. He says, but the day of the Lord, um, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Listen, are you, are you here this morning, saints of God? Are you here this morning uh, if you're unsaved or if you're not a Christian? Listen to this next verse. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be. That's what matters. Seeing that all of this is going away, this material world, we can be doing pretty good here, but all of this is leaving, or you're leaving. What manner of persons ought you to be? And he, he tells what manner of persons. In all holy conversation and godliness. Amen. We ought to be living a holy conversation a holy behavior, that means a lifestyle and godliness. Why should we be doing that? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Amen. Where do we stand this morning? This is the hour of our calling for the saints of God. This is our time. We can do nothing about that. This is where God has us. And he will give us everything we need to do everything we need to do in this world. And if you're here this morning and you're unsaved, we encourage you. This thing is real. This, I mean, Christianity, I know, has got a bad rap uh, in a lot of ways and a lot of places, uh, uh, but it is still true. I don't care how many people don't live it. I don't care how many people... Uh, 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 apostatize from it. I don't care how many people are hypocrites. I don't care about all of that. It is true. The Word of God is true. And it will do everything. Don't worry about all the people that aren't doing it. Worry about yourself and do it. Because it's real. It's a good life. Amen. There's so many things we miss by being saved. Right? All the things we miss. Uh, my friends used to say something like that uh, in a negative sense. Look at all you miss by doing that. Yeah, look at all I miss. <laughs> Boy, I've, I have missed a lot of stuff by being saved. And I thank God for it. It's good, isn't it, saints? Amen. People need what we have. Amen. So may God help us. I love you all. I've enjoyed being with you. And in, 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 in closing, I just want to say truly to those that are unsaved that you would... Uh, consider your soul today. And you that are saved, stay faithful. Young people, stay true. Dig in. Yeah. Dig into it. Amen. Devote yourselves to it. That's the only way to be successful and to, and to be long-term in this thing. We have to, Jesus said, you've got to die out to yourself and you've got to take on his life. I love you all. Thank God for you.